says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's no better place to be on Sunday than to be in church. And I start by once again saluting all the soldiers of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. May I salute some of all of you soldiers? So when you salute, do like this, and we salute in Jesus' name. I'm intentionally doing that to remind you that you are soldiers. Amen. When you hear the word soldier, you think of war, isn't it? Yeah. Soldiers are not for playing marbles and playing for time. Soldiers are meant for defense. Okay? So when we are in the army of the Lord, we've got to be well equipped and well trained. So thank you for coming to train. Because if you are a soldier who is not trained, you will not be able to overcome. Can we start? We are continuing with what we started last week. Can we start with the text that we used last week? Psalms 38, uh, Psalms 18:34, in the Amplified Version. So we are continuing with our subject, fight the good fight of faith. Okay? Fight the good fight of faith. So Psalm 18:34, Amplified reads, He teaches my hands to war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So here David says, the Lord teaches my hands to war. So obviously, David was not naive to the battles and the many wars that were facing him. So we also better not be naive of the many battles and challenges that will face us. So that we can be well prepared and well equipped. So that on the evil day, we will be able to remain standing. So let's go to Revelation chapter 12. We read this one also last week. Just to show you where this war started and why all of a sudden we are in war. There's somewhere where it started. Initially, when everything started, do you know that God did not create Satan? He did not create the devil. The devil used to be Lucifer, who was an angel like other angels were. So when God created, it was Lucifer, it was Michael, it was Gabriel. When you think of, if, if I say Gabriel, you think of an angel who was a messenger angel, isn't it? Every time you hear when the Lord wants to send, if you hear the word Gabriel, you will hear it's about being sent. It's about a messenger. Okay? So the archangel for war was Michael. So when you hear war, you know Michael. You know, in the book of Daniel, when Daniel's answer was not coming, who was dispatched? Michael, because he's the angel of war. Okay? And Lucifer was supposed to be the angel who was in charge of praise and worship. But then pride got into him and he started thinking, I can actually take over here and have my own kingdom also. That's usually what happens with many people when things seem to be going well and you think you are successful, you don't know that things are like that because you are submitting to God. Okay? So now, look at this. This is how it happened in heaven. Revelation 12, 7 to 12. So, or initially, the devil was also part of those in heaven. But now, after pride and after all that happened, then they were chumped out of heaven. 
This is what it says. Revelation 12, 7 to 12, NIV. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. I told you last week that the Bible doesn't say when war broke out in heaven, God fought with the devil. It was Michael fought with the devil. Michael and his angels and the devil and his angels. Verse 8, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. So the devil was not strong enough. He could not stand against Michael. So, so now you think God should have been involved. Huh? No. Michael was able to handle that. And God knows you can handle it. Amen. So it says, and they lost their place in heaven. That great dragon was held down. That ancient Satan called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was held to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now we have the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been held down. Who is the accuser? The devil. So don't accuse other brethren. Otherwise you will be doing the devil's work. So it says that accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So that's how they defeated him. So the blood of the lamb I always equated with my covenant with God. Because our strength and our sufficiency is of the Lord. It's because of our union and our covenant with God that we can overcome the enemy. But it says also by the word of their testimony. So you cannot have silent faith. Your faith must speak. We believe with our heart and we speak with our mouth. So they, con they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So you've got to speak away. You've got to speak to your situations. You've got to speak, speak about your destiny. People are very good at blaming others. You can blame your background. You blame how your grandfather didn't do this. And that's why today you don't have this, you don't have that. You can't change that. The only way to change it is speak your own destiny. There was uh, one young man called Jabez in the book of Chronicles. You see... Jabez means sorrow maker or pain. So his parents had called him pain or sorrow maker. But when he came on earth, he felt, I don't want pain. So the Bible says, and Job and, and Jabez prayed unto the Lord God of Israel. He said, oh, that you may bless me indeed. And that I may not suffer pain. And the Lord granted him his request. So in other words, you can also determine your destiny. with The word of your testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Woe means... What does woe mean? But it's got something to do with watch how trouble is coming. Watch how trouble is coming your way. Where? On earth. Where are we? On earth. So he says, woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So there is an angry devil that has been thrown down to the earth. 
That's why if you go with me to the book of John 10.10, Amplified. John 10.10 in the Amplified, it says, The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So if you look at this John 10.10, it depicts what the enemy is out to do. His mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then, John 10.10 doesn't end there. We cannot end when the devil has spoken or when the devil's work is done. There must be a but. So Jesus says, but I have come. So in other words, I have come so that whatever the devil has done would have no effect on you. I want to speak last. So he says, I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So it is the enemy. Our enemy wants to see us hurt, wants to see us in trouble, wants to see us suffering. But God doesn't want to leave it like that. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 16.33 Amplified, let's look at it in this way. John 16.33 Amplified, it says, I have told you these things. I like it that Jesus tells us things before. Amen. So that then you won't be caught by surprise. When things happen, you already know. The Lord has told us. He's already equipped us. He says, I've told you this thing so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration. Okay? So if I say... Tribulation, trial, distress, frustration. Does that sound like God? To me, it doesn't sound like my God. Sounds like the works of the enemy. Okay? So therefore, I want a bat. I want you to look at this closely because some of you, you so much like to end at trials and tribulation. Yes, the Bible said in the world we'll have tribulations and trials. You haven't finished the sentence. Can I finish it for you? <laughs> Let's finish it. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I've conquered it for you. You get that? So the thief cometh to steal, to kill, to destroy, but I've come that you may have life. In the world you will have tribulations, trials, and distress, but I have overcome the world. Be of good courage. So whatever the enemy does, whatever the enemy throws at us, that's not the end of the chapter. That's not the end of the book. It's just one of the rounds in this battle. But the end, it only ends when we win. It only ends when we are in charge. Okay? The devil is very cruel. He attacks you whether you are a bad person or a good person. Even when you are very, a very good person who loves God, who, pray fervent, who prays fervently, who is always in church, you are a giver, you love people, you do everything, the devil still comes with you. Because he's a cruel devil. Okay? Let me give you an example. Let's go to the book of Job. I want you to see 
in the book of Job, when the devil attacked, it was not because Job was such a bad man. Actually, he was a good man. That's what he was attacked for. Look at this. Job chapter 1. We are going to do it in the ERV. And uh, <clears throat> the one thing, if where I'm going to read, you will find Job in trouble. You must, not, you must know it's not over. I want, I want you to understand because Jesus says you err because you do not know the scriptures. So many times you find that we like ending. Some of you know Job. You, when you think of Job, you think of sufferings. You only know that part. But that's not the end. The life of Job cannot be defined by suffering and full stop. Because then we don't see God there. You, I will show you. So look at this. Job 1, 1 to 3 ERV. Then we'll do 6 to 12. It says there was a man named Job who lived in the country of Uz. He was a good, honest man. Okay? He was a good man. He was an honest man. He respected God and refused to do evil. Did you see who Job was? Job had seven sons and three daughters. Okay, those of you who are looking for ten children, nothing wrong. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep. That's a lot, eh? 3,000 camels. A thousand oxen, 500 female donkeys. He had many servants. He was the richest man in the East. I like this. So Job loved God fully, but he also was very rich. So you can have that combination. It's a possible combination. Because some of you think you either love God or you're rich. You can't get both. So this one tells us Job was the richest man in the East, but he was a very good man, somebody who respected God, who loved God, and who refused to do evil. But now, the devil being the devil, it is not happy when people are happy. Look at verse 6 to 12. Then the day came for the angels to meet with the Lord. Even Satan was there with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you been? Satan answered the Lord, I have been roaming around. It was where? I was roaming around the earth. That's where he was thrown, isn't it? Yeah. So he says, I was roaming around the earth, going from place to place. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? God was very proud of Job. There is no one on earth like him. He is a good, faithful man. He respects God and refuses to do evil. You see, we're told that Job was a good man, but then God now confirms it here. Because sometimes people may think you are a good person, and they don't know you well. So it's always good when also God confirms it. God says he's a really a good and a faithful man. He respects God and refuses to do evil. Satan answered the Lord, but Job has a good reason to respect you. You always protect him. You see, the devil knows that you are covered, isn't it? He says you always protect him, his family, and everything that he has. You have blessed him and made him successful in everything he does. So the devil was aware of Job's prosperity and success. 
He is so wealthy. Look at the devil exaggerating. He is so wealthy that his heads and flocks are all over the country. It's good when the devil feels that you're so successful that he even exaggerates your success. He says, he is so wealthy that his heads and flocks are all over the country. I like that. I like the devil to think I'm more successful than I am. Isn't it? But he knew that this man is successful because of God. So he says, but if you were to destroy everything he has, I promise you that he would curse you to your face. But why, why should things be destroyed? Just to, to cause trouble, isn't it? I mean, nothing wrong and you just say, God, if you were to destroy everything he has, he will curse you. The Lord said to Satan, all right, do whatever you want with anything he has, but don't hurt Job himself. Did you hear that? God says when Job, when Satan says, God, if you can hurt him, if you can destroy everything he has, he's going to curse you. God says, no, I don't destroy people. I don't destroy that people that things that people have. You, he says, all right, do whatever you want with anything he has, but don't hurt him. In other words, you can destroy everything he has, but don't touch him. And you know what happened after that? Went from there, Satan left and went and destroyed everything that Job had. The very things that we heard about, the, all the prosperity he has, all the oxen, all the sheep, all this, all the donkeys. He destroyed everything. He even killed all his children. That's the cruel devil. Okay? He destroyed everything that Job had. And you will find that when the servants come to report, somewhere they even say, the, 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 like the lightning from God came and destroyed this. It's how people speak. Don't you know that even in the days that we are living in, when something is struck or something bad happened, people always say, it's the works of God. You've heard that, isn't it? It's the works of God. But we have heard here God saying, do whatever you want with what he has. Okay? Now, to show you that, let's go to chapter 2. We're going to read 1 to 9. But I want to show you two things here. One, I want to show you that the devil is relentless. He does not stop. I mean, he has killed everything that Job has. He has killed even all his children. And he's not stopping. That's your enemy. So sometimes you find you going through this and you win this battle and you think, I thought it would be over. But now another one again. That's your enemy. It's like that. You know, even with Jesus, that's what he did. He tempted him those four temptations. The fourth one when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan, the Bible says he left, but for a season. Amen. Yeah. So the enemy will always want to come back again. So now look at this. It seems he's not happy that he destroyed everything that Job had. He still wants more of Job. This is cruel. Listen to this. Job 2, 1 to 9. Then another day came the angels to meet with the Lord. Satan joined them for this meeting with the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you been? 
Satan answered the Lord, I have been roaming around the earth. That's where he has been thrown to. Going from place to place. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? There is no one like him. He is a good, faithful man. He respects God and refuses to do evil. Listen to this. He is still faithful even though you asked me to let you destroy without reason everything he has. Do you see that? Are you getting this conversation between God and Satan? He says, Job, uh, devil, look. Job is still holding on to his integrity. He's still holding on to his faith. Even though you asked me to let you destroy him for no reason. Now listen to how the devil answers it. Satan answered, skin for skin. A man will give everything he has to protect himself. I swear, if you attack his flesh and bones, he will curse you to your face. So what Satan was saying is that, because you know, at first Satan said, if you destroy everything he has, he's going to curse you, isn't it? Now Satan says, it's because you stopped me from touching his body. If you can destroy his body, he will curse you. If he can be attacked in his body, because we only attacked what he has. If you can attack his body, he's going to curse you to your face. So let's listen to God answering. So the Lord answered Satan. All right. Job is in your hands. But you are not allowed to kill him. Did you get that? You hearing this conversation. Job, Job did not know this. Okay, so somewhere you will find Job speaking words that are not correct because he did not know this. Job did not read chapter 1 of Job. He did not read chapter 2 either. But you've read it. You, you, you know what happened, isn't it? The Bible told Adas what happened. How did those calamities come about? So now God says, all right, Job is in your hands, but you are not allowed to kill him. So Satan left the meeting with the Lord and gave Job painful sores all over his body from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Who was the source of troubles for Job? Satan. It's clear, isn't it? But you will still find Job not knowing that, thinking, oh, God gave and God took and this and this and this. Because he did not read Job chapter 1. You see? But you and I know. So it means we cannot be deceived because we know. So it says, so Satan left the meeting with the Lord and gave Job painful sores all over his body from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Job sat on the pile of ashes where he was mourning and used a piece of broken pottery to scrape his sores. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your faith? Why don't you just curse God and die? Did you hear this? So in other words, there are people who, if things don't go well, they curse God and quit. But Job was holding on. So now his wife says, are you still holding on to your faith? Tell your neighbor, are you still holding on to your faith? 
keep on holding on. Yeah, don't, don't advise them like Job's wife. She says, are you still holding on to your faith? Why don't you curse God and die? So she's saying, in essence, quit the faith thing. Quit this faith business. And the problem with your enemy is even if you quit, he does not leave you. He keeps on clapping you. So you can as well fight all the way. You get that? So, sometimes when we get through difficult moments, sometimes as human beings, you may talk a lot of things, which is because you do not know what is behind whatever is happening. So I told you Job did not read Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, but you've heard about it. So it, it came to a point where Job even talked a lot of things that were not right, as a person. Okay? And he talked so many things. Go with me to the book of Job chapter 38, 1 to 6. We'll do it in ERV. To an extent that God ended up calling him to account. He says, Job, it seems you know a lot of things. It seems you know even better than me. Come, tell me. Because it seems you know these things. Look at this, Job 38, 1 to 6. Then the Lord spoke to Job from a whirlwind and said, Who is this ignorant person saying these foolish things? Prepare yourself for an attack. Get ready to answer the question I will ask you. Where were you when I made the earth? If you are so smart, answer me. And who decided how big the earth should be? Who measured it with a measuring line? What is the earth resting on? Who put the first stone in its place? So God is questioning Job because sometimes Job was speaking a lot of things. Sometimes when you are in trouble, you speak a lot of things that are not scripturally founded. Now, God asks Job all those things. But the one thing I like, did I tell you that if you hear troubles and trials and tribulation and all the pains, it's not over. It's not over. Okay? So it's not over until my Lord speaks. Everywhere where we read it, always say, but. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. The thief cometh not for to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life. So now Job has suffered, he has lost everything, but, chapter 42. It's not over until it's over. Now listen to chapter 42, then that's how we end it. We can't end, you talk about Job, some of you talk about Job, the suffering Job, but you do not know the Job that I know. You can't, you've got no right to read chapter 1 and chapter 2 and look at the sufferings of Job and end there. Complete the book. It ends in chapter 42. So tell your neighbor, where I am today is not where I'm going to end up. Wait for my chapter 42. Listen to Job's chapter 42. Amen. Job chapter 42, 10 to 17. Amplified. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job and restored his fortunes when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. That's the kind of God I know. Is the God who multiplies. Is the God who restores. Did you see that? So I'm telling you, some of you, you end in chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you think that's how it ended. It cannot end until God comes into the scene. 
it surely cannot end until the master comes in. So look, when the master comes, he does not subtract. He does not half it. He doesn't say, and the Lord gave Job half what he had before. So would you mind if you suffer some loss and all that, but you are told whatever losses that you have, they will be doubled at the end. You've got no problem. Because you know the end. Amen. So, you may be down now, but you are not out. So it says, then, verse, verse 11, then they came to him, all his brothers and sisters, and all who had known him before, and they ate bread with him in his house. They sympathized with him, and comforted him over all the distressing calamities that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man, you see now it says the Lord had brought upon him, but we read chapter 1 that it was not the Lord, isn't it? Yeah, so it's clear. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every man an earring of gold. Now, we explain to verse 12. In chapter 1, we heard that Job was very rich, isn't it? But now, if he was very rich with 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 uh, yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, how much rich do you think he was in, verse 12, in, in chapter 42? And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. That's how my God does it. You always end better than where you started. That's the kind of God that I serve. It's not over until God speaks. Now this is what he did. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, a thousand female donkeys. He had also seven sons and three daughters. God is good. And he called the name of the first Jemina, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk. And in all the land, there were no women so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. And so his sons and his sons' sons, even to four generations, so Job died an old man and full of days. That's the Job I know. Amen. Amen. So because some of you always want to end in the beginning. It cannot finish until everything is restored. It cannot finish until I'm in a better off place than when I started. Amen. And that's God's wish and will for you and for me. So we just need to be trained and know who we are and not give up. Even when you are down on the floor, it's not over. Those of you who know boxing, okay? When I grew up, I used to watch boxing. Those many days the 80s and that, yeah, the times of some of those boxers, so it was good. But what I used to see in boxing is that it didn't matter whether, when you are fighting, whether you get knocked down in one of the rounds, at the end, if you win, they don't say, and the winner who fell in round two and round five, no. 
They say, and the winner, and still, the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> Amen. Even if you are swollen like this, who's, a swelling is just an, a, 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 a testament that I was in war. Tell, tell your neighbor, don't be deceived by a swelling. It's just a sign that I was in war. Amen. Because some of you think that when you win, you won't have a swelling. No, the boxers, look at the boxers. You will find him raising his belt. Isn't it? And he's still the champion. Amen. Look at this, 2 Corinthians. We read it last week. 4, 8 to 9. Because I'm encouraging you that when you are a fighter, when you are a soldier, don't quit. Even when you are down, you are not out. Okay. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9, the passion. It says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. So in other words, there's always the start, but God comes into the scene all the time. We may be knocked down, but not out. Amen. In boxing, you may be knocked down, but as long as you are not counted out, you are not defeated. And you know, the unfair part, which is fair to us, but the unfair part to the devil is that the referee is my father who wants me to win. Do you think he will count quickly? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do you think he will do that when I'm on the floor and he's my father? That will be the longest ten that has ever been counted. He will go, one. And then a big pause, waiting for me to, waiting for me to recover. And the devil would even be thinking, but if it were me, it would have been 10 already. Two. Are we still going to 10? And then you stand up on, 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 on count of six, and then you continue, and then you win. Who cares that you fell in round five? Amen. You may be down, but you are not out. Amen. And the enemy, just as he asked for Job, he still asked to attack us, torment us. Look at this, Luke. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 22. Verse 31 and 32 in the Amplified Version. You see, the enemy is so cruel that he still wants to torment us he still wants to put us in trouble. Sometimes you win this battle and you think it's over, he brings another one. That's your, that's, that, that's your enemy, the devil. He's our adversary. Because sometimes you say, but for how long, pastor? It's trouble after trouble. I thought I overcame that one and it would be the end. You are a soldier. Amen. You are a soldier. Keep on standing. Keep on fighting. Keep on standing your ground. Amen? Keep on standing your ground. As long as you hold on to your faith. You remember Job's wife said, are you still holding on to your faith? Child of God, better hold on to your faith. So even here when in the book of Luke chapter 22, 31 to 32, 
when Satan had asked to sift the, the, the disciples to do whatever he wanted to do with them. Jesus does not say that I've prayed for you that Satan mustn't do it. He says, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Because if you hold on to your faith, you cannot be defeated. So listen to this. Luke 22, 31 to 32, Amplified. Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. Satan has demanded permission. Is that not what he did also with Job? He demanded permission, or he has, other version says, he has excessively asked for permission to sift all of you like wheat or like grain. But, did you see another but? I always like the buts, especially Jesus' buts, because they always end in my favor. He says, but I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail. Amen? It means sometimes when the enemy is attacking, you may feel like deserting your faith and think this faith thing is not working. Your confidence in the Lord may fail. Because now you're saying, I've been trusting God and it didn't go the way I thought. And the devil will start saying to you, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, you know. So he's trying to convince you that we are taking chances here in faith. No. Amen. Hold on to your faith. It says, but I've prayed for you, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and your confidence in me may not fail. Amen. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your confidence in the Lord. If you are down now, you are not out yet. Amen. You are more than a conqueror. You are a winner. You have what it takes to win. The Lord has equipped us. If the enemy is stealing something, it will be restored. Amen. There is even a scripture in the Old Testament which says when the enemy has stolen, it will be restored seven times. He must pay back seven times. So if at the end my chapter 42 comes, then I become even more better than in chapter 1. Amen. So I like this that Jesus says, Satan has demanded, has asked permission to sift you. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That your confidence in me may not fail. Because if you hold on to your faith and hold until the end, amen, don't quit. You are a soldier. Don't quit. Keep on confessing what God has said. No matter what happens, I am a soldier. Look at it. Let's, let's, let's begin our descent now. So we're going to descend and then pack it and we'll continue other time. But let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8. Verse 31 to 39. I want you to look at this. I'll do it in the Passion again. Romans chapter 8, 31 to 39. You will see how it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. You have what it takes to stand. You have what it takes to win. The devil does not have a final say. So when you are a soldier, you need to know that I'm on a winning team. God is on my side. If God is on my side, we are in the majority. I just need God on my side, then I've got it. Amen? It doesn't matter how many of my enemies there are, as long as God is with me. 
Listen to this. Romans 8, 31 to 38, the Passion. So, what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, hey, I like it when God is determined to stand with me. If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? So if God has determined to stand with me, who can stand against me? Because when God is on my side, I don't have to fight my battles. The Lord fights my battles. I just fight the fight of faith. My faith and my confidence in him, and he gives me the victory. So if you look at here, it says, he has determined to stand with us. So if he's on my side, even those that are my enemies who want to come against me, they will be coming against my God. Amen. You remember when Saul, who later became Paul, when he was still called Saul, when he was persecuting the church of God, the Lord himself says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When you touch my people, you are touching me. Amen. So instead of you people wasting your time with, oh, I heard so-and-so was gossiping about me. This one said, oh, my sister, were you there also? And, and, and this one, that, that, you're wasting your time. Because whatever they can say, let them say it. But if God is on your side, who can be against you? The devil is using this trick where he makes us, just like he uses the trick of deception. He will make you busy with wrong things. He will make you get so busy with things of the world or with trying to find out who said this, this one did that, this one did that, and you are not praying. You are not standing on the word. You are not grounded. Then you are exposed. The enemy can easily attack you because you are defenseless. There is a scripture. We'll read it next time. It's in, Tim, in the book of Timothy. It says, Endure hardship as the good soldier of Christ. No soldier entangles himself with the affairs, civilian affairs, or the affairs of this life. But he wants to please the one who has enlisted him as a soldier. So instead of being so busy and all that with the things of, of civilian life, focus on your assignment as a soldier. You are a soldier of Christ. Keep on focusing. Don't lose the focus. The enemy would want you to lose the focus and start going for other things, and forget that God is determined to stand with you. It says, if God has determined to stand with me, tell me, who then could ever be against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge. I told you God is the judge. So here now, God himself is the judge who has assured his, he, is, he has issued his final verdict over them. What was the verdict? Not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? So if God has said not guilty, who do you think is left to condemn us? He says, certainly not Jesus. Because now you may think, what about Jesus? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and now is risen, exalted, and, con and more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God 
at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he's continually praying for our triumph? He says, how can Jesus condemn us? Because he's continually praying for us to win. He's continually praying for our triumph. Tell your neighbor, the Lord is continually praying for me to win. Because it says he is continually praying for us to triumph. Amen. He likes it when I win because his kingdom wins. Amen. Because when I win, I'm not winning for myself. I'm winning for our kingdom. Our father's kingdom. When we are ambassadors for Christ, we are here enforcing the will of the father. Amen. So it says he is continually praying for our triumph. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has power to diminish his life toward us, his love toward us. Nothing can separate us from his love. Now he says troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. In other words, all the things that you would have thought would make me to curse God and die, they can come, they cannot separate me from the love of God. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love, even though it is written. All day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over all You see that? So in other words, there may be all these things, in the middle of all of them, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So, it only ends when we are declared winners. Okay? In all these things, we are more than the conquerors. So he says, in the midst of all these things, we triumph over all of them. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and he's demonstrated his love in our glorious victory over everything. So now, I live with confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. So he says, I'm fully persuaded that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in the present or future circumstances that weaken his love, that can weaken his love. He says, whether it's hunger, peril, tribulation, sword, destruction, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. He was determined. Amen. You need to make the enemy know that you are fully convinced, fully persuaded that you are in this and you are sticking with him because he's sticking with you. He is determined to stand with us. It says, there is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Did you see that? You see, you cannot be defeated. You see, you cannot be defeated. 
Yeah. You may be down, but you're not out. It might be still trouble time, but restoration is coming. It might be trouble time, but 42 is coming. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You see, your enemy, the devil, he's a loser. Even where sometimes he thinks he's winning, he loses. Paul says that the princess of this world, known what they were doing when they crucified the Lord of glory, they would not have done it. You know when the devil incited the people to crucify Jesus? They crucified him. So let's take it for granted to say he died on Friday. I'm not sure, but let's take it Friday because that's what we believe. Okay? If he died on Friday, don't you think on Friday the devil was having party? I don't know if they have party with the devil. But if they do, that was probably the biggest party that the devil has ever thrown. And then comes Saturday, still rejoicing. But how many of you know that resurrection is coming? So the devil's excitement is short-lived. Okay? So because he did all that, and then came the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. And the devil could not stop that. The devil could not stop that. And the very power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that is now at work within you. Amen. If the devil could not stop the resurrection of Jesus, the devil cannot stop the power of God in my life. Amen. The devil cannot stop the power of God in your life. Just need to be well trained. Just need to be equipped. That's why I'm admonishing you, soldiers. Don't mistreat. Amen. Can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've had? We'll continue with this going next time. But you are a soldier. Just keep on getting trained. Keep on getting trained. Keep on knowing your God. Let's thank God for the word that we've had. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Christ.